You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. And um, today we're going to talk about a listener question that we got sent in. And it's called Shame on You. Helping your kids overcome shame. Um, So this is one we wrestled with a little bit, I guess, to be fair. Um, So we're going to start with a kind of easy and uncomplicated question. (laughs) Good, good. Start off easy, please. Why are we here? What is our purpose? Um... Just kidding. So um, if you look in Micah 6, um, the scripture tells us that our purpose is to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. And also in the New Testament, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And all those things, um, if you just kind of look at them in a, a boilerplate fashion, they all boil down to connection. So connection, I think, is why that why we're all here. We all crave it from the time we're infants. Um you hear the experiments of the monkeys, you know, that need the babies yeah. to be held. Yeah. Um, it's why when your baby's first born, they put him or her right on your chest to feel skin on skin because we need that. We need to know that we can cry and someone will respond. Um, the most primal thing, I think, for all of us as human beings, we're created to crave belonging um, and acceptance, to be seen and truly known. So... Um, I think it's why the worst thing is to be exiled and excluded, um, cast out, or maybe um, canceled. That doesn't happen anymore, does no, it? No, that doesn't happen. No. But um, anybody who's been through middle school, you know, know the mean girls in high school, um, middle school are the masters of this. They they use it. Exclusion. Um, well, you're not one of us. You're not like us. All the things that they say to grab power and influence and make themselves look better. Um basically we're still in middle school and high school (laughs) I don't think we that ever really ends um just at a society level so you know one group is always trying to box out the other and deny them a place at the lunch table so uh, what does this have to do with shame yeah so I that was my question to you like what does all this have to do with shame body and (laughs) and this shame topic so the listener question was you know helping our kids overcome shame but uh, you pointed out that if we don't know this is for ourselves as parents, we're not going to be able to convey this to our children or act in a way that our children do not feel ashamed. Right. Um, and I think it's kind of a growing topic. Um, if you ever hear the word shame, you're probably likely going to connect it to Brene Brown, who um, is a master researcher of this. She's got TED Talks and books and a, a podcast called Unlocking Us, I think. Um, all very excellent uh, if you don't know anything about shame or if you happen to be a perfectionist. Um, this is great to listen to. All mm-hmm. of her stuff is so good. And she says that shame is universal and that if you don't experience it, you're likely a sociopath because you don't feel that need for connection. Um, it's anything that can that will break that primal need for connection. Yeah, so I had to do a little reading myself in preparation for this. Um, and something I thought was interesting, um, an article said that children learn to regulate their behaviors by developing an emotional clutch located in the prefrontal cortex that can turn the accelerator off when the brakes are applied and redirect their interest in more acceptable directions. 
An activated accelerator followed by the application of brakes leads to a nervous system response where we turn away our eyes, we feel heaviness in our chest and a sinking feeling. That's mild shame hmm. that teaches us like what's okay in a family, what's not okay um, in society. So it's, um, it's, a, it's something in our brains that we're wired to have, but it, gets, it goes haywire. I guess is what we're saying when right. we reach these levels of shame that become debilitating. Right. So at the most extreme, and we were just talking about this earlier, is um, Escape from Camp 13, I think is what it was called. There's a book um, about this, one of the only people who've ever escaped from the camps in North Korea. Um, talks about this. And also, back in the 90s, um, there was a discovery, I guess, of about 170 Romanian orphans who had just been sort of left in their cribs with the bottles propped up in between the bars with no human connection, no interaction, no touch. And um, the completely debilitated result of that. Mm -hmm. um, they learned not to cry. They learned nobody's going to respond. Um, they Their connection to humans was broken. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that's the most extreme level of that. Um, they just didn't know how to make a connection at all. And they were taught they weren't worthy of it. Yeah, it's so, oh, it's the saddest thing to think about. Um, and and really, um, as I was just flipping through the, the Bible, looking at scriptures that talk about shame, the first thing that stood out to me was in Genesis 2, 25, we see there was no shame at one point in time that Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame mm -hmm. to be fully seen, to be intimately known and feel no shame. I mean, I thought about that with my own spouse. Like there's some things I wouldn't even want David, you know, to know about me, the little corners of my heart, mm. um, things like that. Um, it's a symptom of our brokenness, our fallen world. Yeah, it sure is. Um, I guess back then, though, at the beginning, God had made Adam and Eve and declared it good. And it was just him telling them his thoughts about them, you mm -hmm. know, how he had made mm -hmm. them. They they and their marriage was the pinnacle of creation. Nothing could be better. Um, they hadn't heard anything else at that point, right? Right. That uh, no whispers in the ear, that you know, somebody's just telling you lies and you could really be just as good as he is mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing. So, um, that was, that was before sin. That was before sin. Happened, right? uh, yeah. Just to think like, it's, it's almost impossible to conjure it up. I was really trying to think of it yeah. the other day. Yeah. It's not within any of our experience. <laughs> right. It's, it's totally foreign. Yeah. Um, so when you muster up the courage to try something new, uh, or meet a new person or put yourself out there in some way, shame is a thing that whispers to you, nope, you don't have the right degree. Oh, I've never thought that. <laughs> the circles <laughs> I run in, I, oh my goodness, I never have the right degree. You aren't thin enough. Your family doesn't make enough money or live in the right neighborhood. Your dad never paid attention to you, so what you, makes you think anyone else will? Your husband's more interested in Netflix than you and blah, 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 on it goes. Uh, yes, all the tape, all the things that play. So, um, Brene Brown says that shame is basically a mixtape and it's got two things on constant replay. One is you're never good enough. You're never going to be good enough. It doesn't matter how much striving you do, how many degrees you get, how many diets you go on, how many programs you go through. You're never going to be quite good enough. I'm not sure good enough for what? What is right. it that we're aiming to be good right. enough for? Right. Connection. 
I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, who do you think you are? Like there's a, there's a very real thing that mostly women experience called the imposter syndrome, um, where you feel like you're just faking it most of the time. And if anyone ever found out that you were, I don't, like, I don't care how professional you are, even doctors, even the greatest surgeons, if anyone ever found out that you are just sort of winging your way through this or, you know, you're not as good as the next chief surgeon or whatever, um, you would be devastated. They would all know and everything would be laid bare and you would be shamed, right? You'd be so embarrassed. That is that is crazy to me that that so many people walk around being afraid of being discovered for, for something they're not. Um, it, it That fear of... Um, that just says if the people really knew who I was, they wouldn't love me. Like that, that's terrible. That needs to stop. <laughs> like stop it right yeah. now. Like yeah. we're not having that. Right. Right. I think it's so common to um, look around and do the comparison game, which man, social media is all about the comparison game. Uh, makes it even worse. And it makes you, um, if this is the thing that's playing in your head all the time, when you look around and compare, your answer is, I'm never good at, as good as that other person. My house isn't as cute. Um, I can't fit into those cute clothes. My kids aren't as well behaved. It's always a less than comparison. Um, people who carry a lot of shame around never look around and say, you know what? I'm doing pretty good at that. I'm, you know, I'm excelling in this area or I'm doing this. It's always a negative um, tape playing. So um, we've talked about before, Renee, I, you are really, really good at the habit or cultivating the habit of positive thoughts. Yeah. So, um, I, first of all, I got to say, um, dads, if you're listening, you have a ton of power here, ton of power to, um, to just make sure this never happens to your children. I was blessed with parents, but especially, I mean, I was spent more time with my mom Think about the amount of hours, but I think of my dad whenever this topic comes up, Hmm. like, and I'm not sure why, because he was at work during the day, but he always told me that, um, he loved me. I believed he loved me. He was physically affectionate with me and just empowered me. And so even though I was a perfectionist, I did have a lot of, um, I bent toward, believing I could try hard things, mm. just believing like you could just put yourself out there, just mm-hmm. go ahead and try, and try it. And it made me brave. So when I really hit that wall was when I had my first child and I was telling myself all the lies, you know, you're a terrible person because you don't like a baby, <laughs> your own baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really, really hard. And so where do you think that came from? If it so wasn't, your it was, upbringing? it was perfectionism. Okay. It was perfectionism because I couldn't, she wasn't a project that I could complete and turn in because mm. I was a straight A student from nursery school (laughs) if you even got grades through college I got one B in college that still gives me a little hiccup in my chest (laughs) today like I'm not 100% released from that but um so I did I told myself all these horrible things I was ashamed of my reaction to this little person Mm -hmm. and that did that spiraled me into anxiety and depression and so I went to counseling and um the counselor just basically said stop telling yourself this you, you got to change the story you're telling yourself. So, you know, when you get up in the night, you say, I'm a good mom because I got up in the night with my child. Not, I'm a terrible mom because I don't want to get up in the right. night with my child. And um, it really was just rewriting the story that was running in my head 
constantly identify the lie replace it with the truth identify the lie replace it with the truth and eventually the story becomes your reality Mm -hmm. it really it really was effective and praise god i didn't go all the way back there with the second one even though you know we had a little dip there with hormones and whatnot but but yeah dads if you can really um make your child feel truly loved and accepted which we'll get to some practical tips you are empowering them you're giving them something that so many people in the world don't have yeah absolutely they don't have it yeah and I think um everyone's gonna mess up everyone's gonna say things they didn't want to say and get angry in ways they didn't want to get angry and all that stuff but I think the difference is is if you're the tone and the um gosh, the overall vibe or whatever of your house is characterized by what you were describing, Renee. You mm-hmm. can do anything. Mm-hmm. You were made for greatness. You, God loves you so much and you're God's masterpiece, that kind of thing. If, you're, if your home is characterized by that, that covers a multitude of sins. Oh, um, yeah, it does. And so even if you say a, the occasional wrong thing, the opposite is true though. If your home is characterized by... Um, a lot of harsh language and a lot of um, ways of responding that we'll talk about later. I think that's where the shame comes in. The The mixtape starts to play um, in your kid's head and they start to question fairly early. Um, am I going to be loved? Like probably somewhere down the line, there's something I can do. My, my love is based on performance. My mom, you know, mom and dad are going to only love me if I do X, Y, and Z, if I get the A in school, or if I, um, make the great touchdown or, or, you know, fill in the blank, whatever, if I have perfect behavior. And so a child can learn that just as easily as the other thing. So, um, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the difference between shame and guilt. Cause listen, you know what? I'm all for a healthy dose of guilt. Yeah. There's nothing wrong like, with Like we need, it's a good check. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference? Um, well, shame is a focus on self. So shame is a feeling that I am bad. I am the mistake. Um, what are people going to think of me? And, and interestingly, it's really highly correlated with addiction, aggression, eating disorders, bullying, suicide. Um, whereas guilt on the other hand is a healthy thing. It's a focus on behavior So it says, I did something bad, I made a mistake, and it is inversely correlated with all those negative things. It can correct your performance, but shame is going to condemn you as a person. And that's really, really hard to get out of. So when you, um, so when your child, say you're having a conversation with a friend and they run up and interrupt you, jump right in the middle of the conversation, tug, tug, tug on you, and you give them that look. Okay, that's what we that's what we're hoping that prefrontal cortex comes into play, right? That little check. Oh wait, mom's face is telling me she's not okay with this. <laughs> but um it's what we do after that that either leads to shame or to guilt. I'm guessing is that what you're telling yes, me? Yes, I'm telling you. Yeah. So, if you respond to that situation with a um what is wrong with you? Can't you see that I'm talking to my friend? You're so rude. Mm, so what is wrong with you? You're rude, not you're acting rude. Right. You are rude. Right. Instead of, um, hey, we've talked about this before. Let's not interrupt. We want to be kind to somebody else. It's, it's so a go little... back and try again. Yeah. Come back and put your hand on me and try again. Yeah. It's a very 
different um, knee-jerk reaction. And you're going to respond based on how you were raised, based on how you learned to respond. Mm -hmm. So if you're not aware of the language that's playing in your own head (laughs) and how you're talking to your own self Mm -hmm. is probably how you're going to talk to your child. Mm -hmm. So. So shame thrives and grows. So our research says, our professionals say, because of secrecy, silence, and judgment. Right. And shame is going to destroy connection, which remember is the whole reason we're here in the first place. Um, So I love that we've had on this podcast in the past and previous episodes, um, several women who have been brave enough to Mm -hmm. share their stories. Um, And they're not, they're not pretty stories. They're not beautiful stories. They're not what society wants to hear. It's not something you'd necessarily post on Instagram um, about uh, miscarriage or infertility or um, going through grief, uh, all kinds of things, mistakes that we've made. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you can be vulnerable and honest and take that risk for connection, it, it's always going to involve a risk um, 100% of the time has always resulted in um, beauty, I think, at the end. And more connection than you thought because they took the risk to put their stories out there and to assure other people, you're not not alone. Um, A lot of people have been through this too. And um, it gets you out of that judgment mode and the secrecy mode. And there's nothing, there's nothing worse than secrecy. Mm, Um, I know. It feels so lonely. uh, Yeah. Yeah, and, and, I'm the only one, like you said, I'm yeah. the only one who's a bad mom because I don't want to get up in the middle of the night. Yes, who doesn't just jump with joy at the thought of nursing a child every two hours, right. 24 hours on end, right. you know. So if instead you had gone to a friend or your mom or somebody else that you trusted mm-hmm. with um, an established connection and said, oh, I'm really feeling this way and I'm a terrible person because I don't want to get up with my baby in the middle of the night. To have someone else be able to say to you, oh my gosh, I felt the same way. Me too. That Mm -hmm. second that that is made, Mm -hmm. there's a connection made. Um, The risk was worth taking. Um, You put yourself out there and revealed that. And I never once had one woman say they didn't love the baby years. Honestly, I honestly thought at 27 years old that every woman was just hardwired to like babies. So even though I knew I didn't like babysitting when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. I just believed that. That's why eventually I said, I'm going to just keep saying that. There's got to be some other people <laughs> out there. Like, we're not having this. Like, I mean, at first I wasn't. I was ashamed. If you just get me through this, God, I'm never going to tell anybody, mm-hmm. but I'll be grateful. Thank yes. you, thank you, thank you. But yes. eventually I even moved past that and said, no, we're we're walking in freedom here. Yeah. We're not we're not having secrecy and and feeling ashamed that nothing's new under the sun right everyone's had every kind of brokenness absolutely (laughs) absolutely so I liked this story I found um Sam Louie an Asian American news reporter turned therapist had a secret addiction with pornography and it came out it blew up his marriage and in the Asian American community it was especially um traumatic for him because they're very much an honor shame culture right he brought a lot of um, shame on his wife on his parents so again guilt can be healthy because it helps us acknowledge our mistakes that we need to correct and leads us to think of ways to rebuild ourselves and our relationships with others These are, this is his words including with God shame by contrast is a perverse and distorted belief that we are inherently unworthy of love 
Consequently, when you feel shame, instead of wanting to be corrected, you feel you deserve to be persecuted, punished, and tormented. A shame-based person doesn't know how to feel healthy guilt. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who are really full of shame, I think, in my experience, will often um, test relationships. <laughs> mm. They will push really hard, um, like almost picking fights, picking, throwing stuff out there, like bombs out there in the relationship to just... Um, really they're doing it to confirm kind of what they always thought all along, um, which is that they're unworthy of love. And if I just do this, then this person's probably going to leave me. Or if I just do this, then they're going to see that little corner of my mind that was so ugly and dirty. And then they're going to leave me, which I knew they probably would anyway. Mm. Um, so, um, they're pushing back to see. So if you, as a parent, if your child is doing that, is push, 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 testing the limits, um, one of the podcasts we just did is uh, 10 Things Kids Need to Hear. And one of the things they always need to hear is no matter what. And I think we all need to hear that. We need to hear that from our spouses. We need to hear that from our friends, our closest friends at least. That no matter what, you, like you can do, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to love you no matter what. What a, That is the most solid ground you can stand on. I mean, it is, I got to say, y'all like it's the most beautiful place it's the it's the gift you can give your family Mm -hmm. you can do this like even if your parents didn't do it for you you can change that cycle I'm pretty sure I don't know the whole story but I'm pretty sure my dad didn't feel super worthy and loved by his parents and yet and here he was a brand new Christian like fumbling around trying to learn how to follow Jesus raising three kids running a business yeah he made some mistakes but he got a few of the big rocks Mm -hmm. right And this was one of them, like being well-loved, like no matter what I am, like you're my person. Yeah. I, I've got you. I'm behind you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is the safest place in the world. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Where have we heard that before? Yes. (laughs) So we're modeling that to our kids and to our spouse and to the people who closest to Mm -hmm. us. Um, so so good. So most people hear the word vulnerable and they think what? Weak. Weak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to be vulnerable. Uh-huh. That's like, oh no. No, thank you. Yeah. Except um, the emotional risk of being vul- vulnerable is actually the highest form of courage. And how can you allow yourself to be seen and be heard and be honest only if you think, I'm still going to be loved. Yep. There are people here, like the no matter what people, that give you the courage to be authentic. Yeah. And um and you think back when someone's been the most vulnerable with you, it's often like the most beautiful images. Yeah. You can say this next part because I'll probably cry. Uh, I'll probably <laughs> cry too. Um, yeah. So one of our dearest, closest friends for so many years um, developed cancer out of nowhere. And it is so hard as women for us to ask for help. Like we just, that would be shameful, mm-hmm. right? We're supposed to be able to do it all on our own and mm-hmm. everything. Well, um, she did. She asked for help. She had two young sons to raise and um, life happens, life goes on and her community showed up for her. Um, and she allowed other people to take care of her to an extremely intimate and vulnerable extent. Like not just bringing her meals, but at some point as the illness wore on, you know, brushing her teeth, mm-hmm. helping her get a shower, um, the most intimate things that you can imagine with someone. Um, 
and if that just produced more and more um, beautiful, that vulnerability of the people who came to take care of her and her to allow them to do that um, was one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah. I mean, wow. I was watching that from afar because I was in North Carolina when mm-hmm. all that was happening. I would come back and, um, and see what y'all were doing. And that was, it was really beautiful. Um, yeah. And horrible all at the same time. Yeah. Horrible and beautiful. Yeah. Horrible all and beautiful. Thing. Okay. I love this next example. The first few times you have sex as a newlywed, like so true. Like it's so, you're so vulnerable with each other and it's, and so scared. It's so, yeah. It's so awkward so, a little bit. <laughs> right. It's why you want to like now after having several children and you know, the body's changed quite a bit, why you're like, uh, let's just jump under, <laughs> turn the lights off. Yeah. Get under the sheets. Like nobody look at me. Right. Because there's yeah. a little bit of a sense of shame there Yeah, of how you look and, but that mushy belly and yeah. Yeah, the stretch marks. If you and- know your person though is in it to win it like mm-hmm. they're there no matter what then it doesn't matter I had a friend tell me um her counselor told her to stand in front of the mirror naked mm-hmm. and say like I love my body this is what my body this is the story that's perfect I, this is what my body did for me you see these marks right here this produced amazing humans that I now get to raise and it it was sounded so silly but I was like I bet it actually worked (laughs) I bet it worked yes (laughs) because you're standing in there and you're seeing the reflection of your own self Mm -hmm. tell yourself back all the good things that you need to hear Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome so yeah and me admitting remember that story I told y'all if you've listened to several podcasts I said I'm never going to tell anybody that I'm actually on antidepressants and I've been to counseling and then this random like acquaintance (laughs) comes up to me and um, asks me hey my doctor just prescribed antidepressants for me do you know anything about that like what in the world <laughs> I'm looking around like who told her there, but I knew it was just God it was just God saying you know what go ahead be 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 brave be courageous be vulnerable there's no shame in that yeah you're just helping somebody no, else it's the opposite of mm-hmm. shame in that it is yep um I'm broken and getting so are you mm-hmm. so let's just help each other let's through just this figure it out and, and yeah I love that um so it takes deliberate practice <laughs> how to change these words that we're telling ourselves, um, the tapes that we're telling ourselves, how to find the truth in the first place. Um, sometimes that's that's a hurdle in and of itself. Like um, you said that like that was the super easy thing for you to do, um, what your counselor told you, is to find the truth and replace mm-hmm. it. Um, well, some, what if you don't know where the truth is? What if you don't know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you really truly believe you really truly believe you're not worthy of love or you know no one's gonna like you if they know whatever if only someone found out this about me um it would all just come tumbling down like dominoes so how do you find the truth well I mean I have walked through um with some other women who did have a little bit harder time getting to the truth maybe it was a different issue it maybe it was longer lasting it wasn't yeah. like a situational thing it was a maybe a generational sin right well you're in their family coming out of abuse or trauma or that so um we walked her through scripture we just said listen you got to actually um when the lie comes up that's that tape that plays in your head you got to actually journal it so we had her write it down the sentence and then we had her replace it with a scripture that was the truth 
And so she would just would have this little catalog. And eventually you kind of get to the bottom of all the lies. Yeah. Because, you know, Satan is not infinitely creative. And so you now you've got the truth to replace it with. You can just pull it right back up and you just say it again. And we had her also um, be really careful with uh, the music she listened to because that's a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. And so we just made sure, like, to be sure you're not listening to, like, music that says you know women have to be a certain way and it's all about sex and stuff like that just listen to some some truth for a while instrumental music or hymns or christian music something that will um counteract that it really was like medicine this is like you don't have to listen to christian music the rest of your life y'all know i don't love christian music (laughs) so you know like that would be hard but um but it really was medicine. It was like, we, this is, we're addressing a, an illness here. Mm. And so we're going to have to be intentional. And eventually, can you allow like some other secular music into your life? Yeah, you can. But for right now, we're, we're really drilling down on, on truth. And we would sit with her and talk her through. So how um, long would you say, like for your personal example, mm-hmm. how long did it take you? Uh, uh, probably like a year, year and a half. Okay. So it's not one weekend. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> A year and a half is a lot of practicing over and over and over again. Okay. Yeah. We all have places in our lives where we're like feeling less than. Yeah. So, but if it's coming, maybe like you said, from a deeper place, from trauma or something in your past, then it's going to take you a while to walk through that. Yeah. I actually just met a woman last night who um, has come out of mm, maybe 20 years of trauma Mm. and of like really just swimming in the sea of shame. And so she gave her testimony. It was beautiful. And they said, so how do you look at yourself in the mirror and not feel ashamed anymore? And she said, I'm a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Like I'm learning this and it took me a long time to get here. It's going to take me a long time to climb out of that hole, completely climb out of it. She's like, but I'm seeing the light. I'm seeing little pinpricks of light and it is beautiful. Awesome. So you do need to have a realistic, um, timetable you're that's a good point Bonnie mm-hmm. so if you're if you're a parent now yes and you're having to work through your own stuff baggage whatever mm-hmm. trauma things from your past tapes that are playing in your head um just be gentle with yourself and it's even doubly important that you work on the tapes that are playing for you because they're going to be playing out for your children too I think um on our girl mom podcast Lori Shay was talking about how, you know, when we talk about as moms, our body image, how mm. I can't fit into that, or I don't want to be in the family picture. I don't, I'm not, I don't look very good. Um, that is a language of shame. I'm not good enough. I, like I'm not even good enough to be in the family picture. Um, that her kids are now old enough to kind of call her on. Like, that's so not true, mom. You know, we yep. want to look back and see you in the pictures. Yeah. Come on and get in here with us. Um, sometimes it's your <laughs> your kids that tell you kind of sweetly um that you are enough I mean mm-hmm. who who's gonna tell you that more than your child but so beautiful um, yeah so just watch the the language that you used to talk about yourself in front of your kids they're hearing that too and they're learning how oh this is how we talk to ourselves yeah but just so careful so let's just make a little pause here and say like if you are coming out of like that generationally you were raised mm-hmm. to be ashamed mm-hmm. Like by hook or by crook, figure out how to get some counseling. You know, I was not raised that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, like, I couldn't have crawled out of that hole by myself. Yeah. I needed some help. So there's there's counseling services that prorate based on your income level that make it accessible. There's churches that provide it for free or almost free. 
um, it's worth it. And it's, and it's, um, it's almost aside from a miracle of God, impossible to experience that without some help. You need somebody to walk you through it. So, so go find some help. Right. To, and, to just cut that stuff off. Yeah. And if it's more than one thing too, maybe it's counseling and a group that can tell, feed yeah. you the truth that you need to hear or yeah. the, the language that you need to be telling yourself. Get on a text group with some girlfriends yes. and be like, ah, I need some truth right now. Yeah. Lift each other up. Yeah. Be each other's helping person. Um, so let's, I guess, get into some of the things that you can do as a parent. You know, it's really, really, really tempting um, to use shame as parents because it works. Yeah, real it, fast. It does work. Yeah. Um, and why does it work? Because it's so painful that a kid is going to do, they're going to change whatever behavior they have to change and do almost anything to not feel it again. But um, it is shaping their soul in all the wrong ways. So you can either be a voice that someone must overcome or you can be a voice that helps somebody mm-hmm. overcome. Mm-hmm. So be the second. Yep. Um, so in, be careful with praise. So I don't mean never tell your kids they're good at something, but kids recognize, I've said this before, they have these perfect little radars for um, hypocrisy and um, fakeness and all the things. So if you're just gushy with praise over every single thing that they do, um, they know that it's not genuine. Mm-hmm. They know they didn't draw that potato person the way that <laughs> they didn't do their best effort. They just scribbled that down there, but you're gushing over it, how awesome and wonderful it is. Um, and praising what they that. can show, praise, praising what they can control. So their artistic ability. Yes. You know, maybe they can control that some, maybe they can't. So, so praise, you know, their effort, praise, um, the courage, but not necessarily the outcomes. Right. You can praise the outcomes, but just you need to be sure that you're not only going for outcomes here. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, they're going to stop trying if they're perfectionists. Right. And so, so they come to you with this beautiful portrait or whatever, or the, the A on mm-hmm. the spelling test and you praise, praise, praise for the A on the spelling test. But the next time they come to you, well, maybe they made a C minus on the spelling test. So you, you don't say anything. You withhold like everything, every emotion and your whole mm-hmm. face goes still. That is conveying uh, yeah. performance based, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you mm-hmm. want them to do well on the test, but you need to say something else about it, like about their effort. Yeah. So tell me about, so tell me about this. I, when um, my kids would not do well, of course I was administering the test, <laughs> but when they would not do well, they, um, I'd be like, so tell me what happened here. So like, did you, do we need to go back over something? Is there just something you didn't get or were you having a bad day? Yeah. Or, um, you know, I know you're not characterized by this kind of work. So how, what do I need to do yes. to come alongside you and help you there? How can I help you? Cause you don't, yeah. you're, they're not going to get an A on every single thing. No, they're not. I mean, if they did, that would I be, almost did Bonnie. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So close. Uh, well, oh. generally, you're not going to get an A on every single thing. No, it's not good to. I mean, it just set me up for failure. Right. It teaches you. To disaster yes. later on. Yes. That's not sustainable. So to only praise for A's or to only no. praise for the top, 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 top is, wow, a whole lot of pressure. And it's just teaching them, um, you know, if, if I get a hug and an embrace and all the stuff for the A, but mom's a little distant and standoffish mm-hmm. and, I, you know, doesn't even touch me at all if I get a C. That's it's not good. It's real subtle. Yeah, that's um, not good. So there's ways to talk through that that 
are still conveying, I love you, even if you got a C, it's still okay. Yes, which leads us to our second one. It's, it's totally tied in. Failure is your friend. Yeah. Give your kids the freedom to fail. Talk about um, the gift of failure. How many times did Thomas Edison like try to invent the light bulb? Like a lot. Right. <laughs> Houston could tell me. I can't remember. <laughs> it was a whole bunch. Hundreds, I think. So yeah, like risk is the birthplace of creativity and innovation. And this is like, I didn't want to try new things sometimes yeah. because I was a perfectionist. Right. And so many people don't like, I don't want to start the business. What if it fails? I don't want to write the book. What if it doesn't get published? I don't want to, um, you know, try out for that theater act or all the things. And so you just don't, you limit, 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 and then build you up for regret down the road. Um, when, if you had done it, you're, you're doing the thing that you were made to do. You're stepping out in faith. You're taking a little bit of a risk. And risk leads to that connection that we all love. Because you're going to find somebody else down the road, too, that has done the same thing. So, um, Yeah, I know. The, my, one big regret for me in college, I got invited to join the debate team. So I was in the communications department. Uh-huh. And I think I would have loved it. I Deep down, I'm like, I think I would really like this. I was really scared to fail. I mean, even as much as I said, my, I just told you my dad loved me well. My parents were very supportive. But I still had that perfectionist streak that thought, what if I get in a debate and I get embarrassed or mm-hmm. I don't have the right preparation? And I just didn't do it. And I can remember the look in my professor's eye when I told him I wasn't doing it. And I knew. He read me like a book. He knew exactly what was going on huh. inside of me. Um and so, yeah, now, now, like with all this writing and stuff I'm doing, I'm like, man, that debate stuff would have really come in <laughs> handy. Shoot. <laughs> I missed the boat on that one. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, it can happen to any of us even because we live in a fallen world. We're just, we're still, we still are plagued with, with things that hold us back. Yep. For sure. So, okay. We want to recognize what kind of shame is happening with our children so in my little scripture overview that I looked at, it, um, there's several different kinds of shame scripture talks about. So there's manipulative shame, which is a lot of what we're talking about here. Do not manipulatively shame your children. Saul was shaming his son, Jonathan, for helping David escape in 1 Samuel 20. Um, it's like, how could you do that? You're my son. You're a prince. You're, you're bringing shame on me, on the family. Job, in his grief, this is an interesting one, felt despairing shame. And I want to read this passage. Bear with me here for a second. Um, He said, uh, after he'd lost everything, you know, he's talking back and forth with his friends. If I am guilty, woe to me. Even if I am innocent, I cannot lift my head, for I am full of shame and drowned in my affliction. So you, you might feel in a deep grief... Um, in the in an unexpected loss, in an unexpected diagnosis, you could feel despairing shame, and and that can be addressed. But I think you would address it differently, don't you, Bonnie? Than mm. like than like a, this kind of shame that's coming from a manipulation. Yeah, or... because I think you're thinking um, maybe in this case you're thinking I probably deserve this in some way. Mm-hmm. I've done something to I don't know. Instead of, like, a why me? Yeah. Woe is me? Well, like Job's friends, I said, well, just admit it. You had to have done something wrong. Right. Great friends. <laughs> <laughs> just admit it. And have God stop cursing you. Yeah. And so, yeah, so th- it can come from that. And then um, disregard for discipline and um, just out-and-out wickedness, answering before you're listening, 
um, disrespecting your parents, hasty actions. Proverbs describes all of those as bringing shame. So like, don't bring shame on yourself. Like, listen, don't, don't just run to court and take your neighbor to court. Like just weigh the options here. So don't, don't be ashamed of yourself. And then the uh, final shame in Revelation for those left out of um, the new Jerusalem. So lots of different kinds of shame. Um, again, most of them I found were the shame of wicked who are just rejecting God. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe be like, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe they were ashamed. I think a lot of wicked are not ashamed. <laughs> They're having a big old time. Right. So it's, but it's um, like a universal kind of cataclysmic shame like God's created you for communion with him and and you're rejecting that yeah that connection you're walking away from it so um yeah so that that brought to mind to me um the prodigal son story which oh good one uh, we kind of know so he has left he's wicked he has wicked he, he has done wicked things let me change that language and, right there. And brought shame on his dad. Right. But what is the dad's response? Every day he goes out and he scans the horizon because the son that he so loves is out there somewhere grieving his heart. You know, he mm-hmm. wants nothing more for, than for mm-hmm. him to come back. Um, so the son's choices, his lifestyle, the behaviors that he was doing were um, terrible. But his person was still, there was nothing but value in the person of him. Um, and and when he finally came back, it was nothing but love and rejoicing. When he came back. This is so cool. I just was reading about the prodigal son the other day. Um, because it's the story I understood the least for so long. And because I was always like totally identifying with the older brother. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, older brother, you and me, high five. So um, it's a beautiful picture because in the Middle East, you know, a, a Middle Eastern father they were, you know, in that day, they were, wore robes, mm-hmm. you know, and children would run and women would run, but men did not run. That was undignified. Mm. And you didn't show your legs. I mean, the robes were full length. And in this story, God, the father lifts up the hem of his robe and runs out to meet the son. Mm. So he's been shamed by his son, but he says, no, 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 I don't care. Right. I'm running out to meet you. All of that is worth it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I'm, you know, I'm running and that's an undignified and I should be ashamed of that. No, I love you. Yes. I'm going to, and I'm going to kill the fatty calf and we're going to have a big old party and dancing. Right. Because above all else, you are, you are worthy. You are worthy to be loved mm-hmm. no matter what you've done in the past. And honestly, I think the older brother didn't, um, I think he felt ashamed too. Like it's, it says, you know, he, he was angry when he heard the, party he's like what is going on mm-hmm. he asked the servant what is going on over there the father comes to find him which he shouldn't have had to do <laughs> that was he was shaming his father by not showing up mm-hmm. and he didn't feel loved he's like hey everything I had is already yours you you have access to everything I have won't you come and the story is a cliffhanger we don't know did he come or did he not? Yeah, we don't know. No, maybe the son was maybe the son, the older son was like performance based, you know. Here I have, I'm sitting here, I've oh, done totally. all the things. I've done Yes. He's gonna love me more because You owe me. I've done all this. You owe me now because I've done all this. Yeah. And the dad was like, It's not about that at all. It's about who you are mm-hmm. and that you're mine. Mm-hmm. I love that. I know it's like it really is a beautiful story. And he's telling it to tax collectors and Pharisees. So the tax collectors were the overt sinners, right, mm-hmm. of the day. Everybody knew. 
all the bad things they were doing. And so they were the younger brother and the Pharisees were the older brother. They were like rule keepers and Mm -hmm. rule followers and um, both needed redeeming. Right. Both. Yeah. Love that. This is such a key thing. Um, So I'm going to skip a one or two, but use you are language. And um, what I mean by this is speak life in your house. Like watch how your siblings are going to speak to each other. Um, Be careful how you're talking to your spouse in front of your kids. Um, If they mess up, say the words. That's not who you are. Um, Elevate the virtue. So if you're trying to work on um, lying, for example, if you've been trying, having a problem with that, um, instead of saying, you know, why are you so dishonest all the time? You're such a liar. You're, you're instead wanting to say, I know you're an honest person. I know you are honest. Our family is honest. Um, let me help you through how to make that a reality. I know, know you can do that. Yeah. I know that you can be honest. I've seen you be honest. You can bring up an example of when they were honest. Yeah. And, and certainly them. catch them being honest. Mm-hmm. And praise for that. Make up reasons for them to tell the truth. Yeah. If you're going <laughs> to praise for anything, don't do the gushy praise about the potato person that they drew. <laughs> praise for being honest. Praise for being the virtue that you, you see in them and that God mm-hmm. made them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if so if they hit their sister, for example, you're not going to say, what is wrong with you? You're so hateful. You're such, you're so bad. You're going to say, I know you're a kind person. I know you love your sister. You know, take some time, go into your room, sit there with it for a little while. When you're ready to make it right, then you can come on out again. So you're not eliminating the consequences from your kid's behavior. They're still going to have consequences and they're going to feel guilt. Mm -hmm. They should feel guilt over if you've they better told them what is right and what is wrong <laughs> and they choose the wrong that's right that's they right. should feel guilt um but you're not shaming them for it you're helping them work through who they really are which is reminding me that uh, especially like in the five and under years we we dealt with stuff either back in the van or at home so that was like pub- like i was not going to publicly shame my child um yeah good by point. like by you know dealing with that in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say, you know, we're working on that. We <laughs> deal with it. We're going to deal with this when we get home. Separately, and right. We're just going to take a pause and we're going to, we're going to deal with this shortly because I didn't, didn't want to humiliate them. Right. Even in front of another sibling. Sure. I mean, that's yeah. a private matter. If your kid messes up, it's a mm-hmm. private matter between you and the child. If, if it's against their sibling, they're going to have to make that right. But um, yeah, you your goal is not to humiliate or mm-hmm. yeah bully your child into mm-hmm. submission any of those things it won't work as soon as they're out of your orbit they're yeah. like we're out of here yeah forget you <laughs> yeah that's too much pain over there right i'm going over here for some freedom i don't think any of us want that no so no so another thing you can do is listen so don't dismiss don't you don't always have to be a fixer i mean we know you know the answer i know the answer it's in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> but you don't always have to actually say it out loud just hear them see them um if they're too little to to like really articulate you can help them name the emotion that's happening name what's going on but um as you said bonnie anger can be a mask for something else going on yeah and and well big kids too but little kids for sure don't always know what the emotions are so um they might be saying in their head 
you know, I'm so out of control. I don't know why I'm like this. I don't know what to do with this. With Why am I so angry? Why am I so, why did I hit my sister? And they're belittling themselves over it because they just have no words mm. for what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. So instead of um, flying off the handle with them, just take a minute and listen. Look at the context. What else has been going on in your home? What other transitions are you going through at the moment? And help them work through that. Um, maybe they're just upset. Maybe they're anxious. Maybe they're sad. Um, there was a little kindergarten that um, in Nashville, I saw a video on it, and they had these um, different faces on the wall that showed, like, all the different emotions yeah. you're describing. And they could go, like, put their fingers, point. If they were acting up in the classroom, the teacher could take them over there and point to how you're feeling right now. I was like, that's brilliant. It's like in the ER when Houston broke his arm. Yes. They had the zero to 10 pain, pain scale. scale with yeah. the faces. Yeah. It's the same idea. I'm like, that, that would be really useful. Yeah, it would. For moms of little For kids. For moms of little kids. Yeah. Like, throw up those little <laughs> face cards or something to, to know what's going on. Help them know what those emotions there. are. Yeah. Um, so know and speak the truth. We talked about this a little yes, bit. Yes, this is important. I love um, this particular verse would be good if you just need to, to start. King David wrote actually again and again and again in the Psalms. So I just picked one. He wrote, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. No one who hopes in you will ever be turned put to shame. God turns his face to us when we cry out to him. Mm-hmm. He, his ears are attentive to our prayers. Remember that Jesus takes our shame. Like fundamentally, this is where you have to get. You, If you are a Christian, you need to preach this to yourself, at least on a weekly basis. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Hmm. Jesus took our shame. With the shame of our separation from God, the sh- any shame we're carrying around, he endured that shame on our behalf. He took the punishment. Like, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You already have the verdict. You're already 100% in the family of God. You're seen as perfect. It's freeing. It's freeing love. It's the love we want to demonstrate to our children, and it's the love that God perfectly demonstrates to us. So preach the gospel to yourself and right. your children. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, it's such a strange mix. I think of, um, we were just talking about this before the, this podcast that, um, you know, sin is real. It's in our lives. We, we all have it. Um, we're all laid bare before the Lord, but, um, and God made us for this wonderful purpose and given us his spirit and his power and, um, makes us, transforms us daily, um, in his image. So both can be true. Um, but it's not a shameful thing. I don't think, um, there's this really cool thing that they do at bar mitzvahs where the rabbis talk about, um, (laughs) you are at once like, you know, you stand in front of the Grand Canyon and you're this teeny little specter and, and the world seems so big and you're this tiny little nothing, right? And, and you were also made to be 
um, the pinnacle of creation, you were just a little lower than the angels. So both are true, but the trick is, as we're growing, to know, and one of them is in one pocket and one of them is the other. The trick is to know which pocket you need to reach into when. Mm -hmm. Like, when are you small and you need to... (laughs) Repent. (laughs) Fall on your knees. (laughs) And when are you, yeah, amazing Mm -hmm. and can Mm -hmm. raise your hands in prayer, so... Yeah, I mean, I mean, the true gospel is like we are free to try and fail. Yeah, because your your performance does not guarantee your outcome. Jesus's performance guarantees our outcome. So it's it's all the things we talked about at the beginning. The true gospel gives you all the courage you need. It gives you the freedom to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and share your struggles. It there's no need for secrecy anymore. There's no need for that hidden shame. There's no need for self loathing because. Um, you were worth it. Yeah. You were worth it for him to endure. And you've always been suffering. worth it. From the very beginning, mm-hmm. you were worth it. So, um, <laughs> I keep thinking of that song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you worth it? <laughs> oh, let me work it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's not exactly really uh, super spiritual, but I couldn't not no, say it. No, it's not. I know. <laughs> See? Music gets in your head. It's a meditation. Oh, that's funny. Oh, me. So, so yeah, the the... The cross is just a beautiful, a beautiful reminder. And, um, and God never cancels us. Nope. You know, I I really think America is like the tide is quickly turning to an honor shame culture. Mm -hmm. I've always thought, oh, that's like an ancient culture or in China now. Right. The honor shame culture, but not here. But it's happening. Nope. Yeah. God doesn't cancel you. Um, so in, from an article by Abdu Murray at Gospel Coalition, he said, in cancel culture, a single mistake is perpetually unforgivable because it's not a guilty act, as we've said. It's your identity. Right. It turns you into a shameful person, someone who can and should be canceled. And that is the, that is exactly what you're fighting against. That is the tape in your head that you're trying to <laughs> get rid of. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you, when you're... When you are bad, you can't, there's no redemption. You can't fix a mistake. No. You can't repent for some guilt that you have. Like an apology is not enough. No. There's no turning around from it because where would you go? You're still going to be bad. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. That's not, that is the wrong, exactly the wrong message. That is um, so condemning and there's, there's just no coming back from it. No, there's not. And it's, I, I can't, I don't even want to think about where, where we're headed but if we do this by the tens of thousands to each other. Right. What is what does that do to your psyche? It yeah. makes you live in fear. It makes you totally it makes totally you fearful. More and more disconnected. <laughs> afraid to connect. Afraid more to hiding, be vulnerable. More, afraid to say what you really are. No, yeah, think. nobody will say what they really think. Right. So that is the opposite of what we're going for here. Um, God loves messy. He uses it to make masterpieces. Um Every one of the 12 disciples were day laborers. They had no, um, nothing to their names. They were fairly working class and um, nothing to claim. So he he doesn't mind that we're messy. He knows we are anyway. Like, what are we trying to hide really from him? Um, And with your children and with yourself, we've talked about this before. What does God think about when he thinks about you? Well, you're a, you're an heir. You are... Um, fearfully and wonderfully made. You are saved. You have an inheritance. You are. Um, like, I'm thinking of like how wide and 
tall and long and deep, whatever far and wide, long and deep is the love of Christ. Right. You know, that's how that's there's no there's infinite love Nothing there. Nothing separates you from mm-hmm. it. Uh, all the things. So those are the things you need to talk about. <sighs> yeah, and thought traps. We've talked about that. You know, just stop it. Stop. Like take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Replace it with the truth. Yep. And be ruthless and encourage your kids to be ruthless about what they take in. You know, you don't owe anybody an explanation or an apology for who you follow or unfollow. Teach them to be aware of false and fake and curated (laughs) accounts. You know, Lori, I think it was Lori was talking about people hire photographers to take Instagram pictures for them. Yep. So so they can be even more perfect. (laughs) And fake. (laughs) And ashamed of who they really are and compare themselves to other people. Yeah, that's, that's the opposite of what we're going for. Um... It is something to say that we are the most obese, addicted, medicated, in-debt adult population in U.S. history. And instead of warring against the things that make us that way, instead, we numb it. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) the problem is you cannot just selectively numb bad feelings without numbing the good ones, too. So... You're going to miss out on all the joy and the love and the belonging, which is what you really want all along, because you're afraid to take that risk of connection. Yeah. uh, We also try to be perfect, especially with our kids. We put so much value in what people think about our children and how they perceive them. Once they arrive all small and lovely, and we try to keep them perfect, but that's not our job as parents. It's It's not. It's impossible. It's our job to tell them they are imperfect and beautiful and wired for the struggle and you're worthy anyway and by the way so so are are we we. (laughs) that's right oh let's get rid of that shame absolutely walk in freedom do it um so you can find us on our website at justaskyourmom.com we're also on Facebook, Just Ask Your Mom, or Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. If you're listening, please rate and leave a review or a comment. We would love to respond to you. And uh, if you have any questions or suggestions for topics, you can email us at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks for that great question today. You yeah. made me think, listeners. Those are really good. Questions. I hadn't really dug into that. And we want to say thanks to our production manager, Cheyenne Avella, our tech and social media administrator, Savannah Cunningham, and our graphic designer, Emma Goodwin. Yep. We'll see you next time on. Just Just ask ask your mom. mom.